Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast, produced by the Small Biz Thoughts Technology Community, with your hosts, Amy Babinchek, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast. This is James Kernan, um, your host today with Kernan Consulting. And we've got a very special guest, uh, someone I'm very excited to talk about, uh, Danny Jenkins from ThreatLocker. Hey, Danny, how are you doing today? Good, James. Thank you for having me. You bet. You bet. Thanks for joining us. I was uh, excited to talk with you. Obviously, um, security is near and dear to everybody's heart. And uh, that's your specialty. But before we kind of jump into the, your, your company and you tell us a little bit more uh, about your company, tell me a little bit more about you, um, if, if you don't mind. What got you involved in technology and security in the first place? So uh, I, I was always a, a tinker. I was always a messer. And right back in the days um, when I was in high school and, and, and secondary school, as we call it in the UK, uh, I, I was writing batch files to delete people's work I didn't like and <laughs> so, so, so uh, crazy th things like that. And uh, I pretty much immediately left school and went into the IT world. And uh, my first job was actually at an MSP, um, just as a junior tech. And from there, I, I was always finding ways to break things and to fix things. And that kind of ultimately ended up becoming IT security. And then it, once I started working at enterprise customers and then Cybersecurity as the term changed. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, everybody's moving that direction. So, tell us a little bit more about uh, Threat Locker. How, how long have you guys been around? And uh, tell us a little bit more about your organization. So, we created Threat Locker. Well, we created the product, um, the the idea uh, about five years ago. Um, I, I previously had an email security company which I I sold, and. Um, I was doing, at that point, I was doing a lot of enterprise consulting. So I was helping banks and finance companies and healthcare companies get secure because uh, security was a huge issue. Right. And um, I remember working on a ransomware case and it was for an insurance company in Australia. And I'd been called in to help recover from a ransomware attack where uh, an attacker had encrypted their backups, their servers, everything from a user opening an email essentially. And about a week into the attack, the owner of the business called me and he was basically in tears. He didn't know what to do as far as he was concerned, his business was gone. He paid the ransom and never recovered the data, um, oh which people believe that you always get the data quite often. You don't get it back. Um, and what happened was he, we eventually got his data back. We used data recovery tools and recompiled data from various sources and it wasn't the end of the world it did cost him a lot of money and it did damage his business but he survived mm -hmm. which is good but at this point we were see i was seeing as a consultant almost in this area a, a massive uptake in this and one of the things i had always done in the enterprise world was encourage people to adopt what we now refer as a zero trust approach to application control yeah so if if you don't need an application don't allow users to open it that way you're not relying on your antivirus detecting the latest threat, but you're saying simply it doesn't run if it's not needed in this business. When I worked with large, big enterprise, that was relatively easy. But when I tried to get into the smaller enterprise and even the small ins the insurance companies or the, the regional banks, they just wouldn't entertain it. It was always too much difficult, too much complexity and too much difficulty. So we set out back then to create a, 
an easier application whitelisting product. We wanted to make it better. We wanted to make it usable. We wanted to deal with the issues surrounding it. So it wasn't a big job, a big team, a big deployment. And that's where the idea of ThreatLocker came about. The name ThreatLocker actually, we created the product then, we started signing up customers. The name didn't come around for about two years after that. Oh, really? <laughs> so uh, yeah, we, had it, we had it called AppMan for a little while. Uh, and it, it was more of a consulting thing we put into big organizations that we were helping solve problems. Okay. Uh, from there, it's kind of evolved a lot in that the, ultimately the problem we're trying to deal with is every time you run something, every time you download a file, an executable, a script file, that application, whether it's Angry Birds or Office or Zoom, like we're on now, that application yep. has access to everything you have access to, all of the software you have access to, all of the files you have access to, even if you are not an administrator. Uh, so what ThreatLocker does is we, we said, okay, well, we need to stop that because we don't, if, if, we, if it can't run, it can't access your data. Yep. Uh, and so the first thing was really making that default deny easy and I'll, I can go into more details on that. And then the second thing was once it's running, we wanted to limit what it can do. So we have this concept called ring fencing, which is a coin we turn. And the idea is, is we're running Zoom right now. And a week ago, I could send you fileless malware because Zoom could launch PowerShell. Uh, but you couldn't send it to me because I ring fence Zoom because it doesn't, it doesn't need to call PowerShell. It needs to run, but it doesn't need to call PowerShell. It doesn't need to access my files. So we came up with this concept of ring fencing that once an application is running, you stop it accessing your precious data. You stop it talking to other applications on your system. Uh, and that can essentially harden your environment from wireless yep. attacks. Yep, that makes sense. That makes sense. That's great. That's great. So how do you, Danny, how does your organization work with MSPs uh, that are uh, obviously more on the uh, security side, but what, 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 is, what, what does your product look like and how do you work with uh, the MSPs? So, uh, and that's where it's really interesting. And this has been a great, exciting time for me working with MSPs because I started my career in an MSP for all intents and purposes back in the days where a support call was driving to the site, restarting the Novell print server and, and leaving again <laughs> before the days of remote access. But, right. um, after that, I moved very heavily into the enterprise space. Okay. And about 18 months ago, ThreatLocker, I won't say pivoted because we still have some large enterprise clients, but we essentially refocused our efforts onto the MSP world. We, we did a webinar uh, with a MSP um, provider and suddenly we went from one or two MSP customers to over five a day signing up within three months. And I was amazed by how this market collaborates with each other and how they work together to find products and solutions. And, and since then, we're now partners with ConnectWise, with, with Kaseya, with SolarWinds, with Datto. And uh, we're now signing up 95% of our new business is MSP driven. Uh, so uh, one of the things we've done and one of the things the MSPs love um, is the fact that we've taken the enterprise level of control. We've taken the zero trust. We've taken the uh, ring fencing, the, the ability to lock down things at a proper and enterprise level. And we've brought it down to the MSP level. We've brought it down to a, a multi-tenant level that doesn't require lots of work for those. Okay. And that has really driven our MSP business forward because for an MSP, you're obviously limited on resources. If you're, if you're selling to a, a large law firm that has a thousand employees uh, as, a, as a enterprise customer, that law firm calculates a risk associated with, uh, I need to spend X amount of money 
on security. And if that reduces my risk of a breach by X percent, that could potentially save me $50 million. In the MSP world, it's a whole different scale because these guys are trying the hardest to protect their clients. Uh, they don't have unlimited resources. They can't just keep hiring staff. They can't hire a, a SOC and a SIM and, a, and so on to manage whitelist policies and Windows update policies to, on the whitelist. And so they, they, and they're selling these out at $50, $20, $120, $200 if they're really lucky, uh, an endpoint, but they still have a limited resource. So what we've done is we've taken the enterprise tools and we've made the management of them tiny and, and very low impact. And that's really helped them embrace zero trust, embrace enterprise security and bring this to their clients, which is ultimately helping them compete more in the enterprise space. Exciting. All right. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I'm getting to know the product a little bit more and it sounds like it's more of a, a monitoring uh, and security tool. Can the tool also be used maybe for an assessment for a one-time review, or is it more of a, a protection and in, in monitoring tool? So the idea of Threat Locker is not to be another review tool, not to be another look at your threats tool or your, um, here, we're gonna detect the latest threats. There are there a are hundred products out there, some of them good, some of them bad, thousand yep. products that, that go out on the pretense and look for threats. They detect viruses, they hunt for threats, they, and these are all great solutions. They are a SIM, they, uh, or a SOC, and they, they've got people behind it looking for patterns of bad behavior. And yep. while that is a really important part of security and you should have it in your security, what I see is a lot of MSPs keep piling stuff on top of each other that essentially does the same thing or very similar things by looking for threats. Our approach is slightly different. We don't look for bad stuff. We say, let's look at your environment. Let's lock your environment down to what's needed and let's net, let nothing else run. Because the problem is with the way antivirus looks for viruses is one of two ways. And we can bring AI and heuristics and lots of fancy words into it, but essentially it's one of two ways. One is, is it a known virus? Does it, has it been seen before? And that's kind of the traditional way, but it's almost dead anyway, in that it's too easy to make it not, to, to change it a little bit so it's not known. Uh, the other way is based on behavior. So they will take a file, they will say, what is this file doing? Is it doing something bad? And that behavior, that bad definition is based on what yesterday's viruses did bad. So if we see a, a piece of malware changing files in a certain way, we know that's bad or an antivirus or EDR or whatever the, the work term is, knows it's bad behavior and then we'll react and shut that down appropriately or they'll try and examine it before it runs and shut it down if that's the case. Whereas yeah. we say, well, what's the difference between Dropbox and a piece of malware that uploads your data to the internet? The behavior is pretty much exactly the same. They both access your files on your computer. They both synchronize those files over an HTTPS session to a, a web. So it, it's virtually impossible for an antivirus to detect that type of threat because the behavior is not bad. It's, it's, it's typical for what some programs we run on our computer. Mm -hmm. So our approach is very simple. The difference is you want Dropbox in your business or you don't want Dropbox in your business. You choose. We, you, if you don't want it, it doesn't run. Then as an MSP, as an IT professional, as a business, you're now in control of what runs and you're not worrying about is my AV going to detect my malware or not? Because simply the only way it's going to run is if you as a business decides it can run. And, the, the, and in most cases, that is the MSP deciding, do I want to allow this software? And what that does is two things. One is it stops legitimate tools being weaponized against you. 
Right. And, and, and two is it also stops bad behavior in your environment. It stops people installing games they shouldn't be or Chrome extensions that show them inappropriate pop-ups. Got it. And then obviously it also stops bad tools, uh, malware, mini cats, <laughs> encryption software. If it can't run, if it's not on the list, it's not allowed to run. Okay. Okay. Danny, it, it, your, your tool sounds awesome. If um, just to help, help the listeners better understand the technology, kind of coming from your perspective, how do you feel? I, I know you shared a little bit of this already, but how do you feel that you guys are, are different unique or maybe better than than the competition out there what what what's your secret sauce so uh, what, what i in, in the msp world we're in a really unique position in that we really don't have any competition i, I know we're all competing for the same money and there's, there's no doubt in that right. but we have threat like a combined we don't replace an antivirus in that we don't look for bad um we only look for good and we block everything else so, but what, what I would say is when you're building your security stack, when you're choosing your tools, uh, don't pile tools that do the same thing. Don't add five things that are gonna look for bad stuff because it's like sure. having five house alarms in your house. It's going to make a lot more noise, but it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's still five house alarms in the house. Instead, uh, put, put a lock on your front door, put a bolt there. Uh, and, and, and essentially that's our approach is at one side of the, the security stack, you have your threat detection, your your threat analysis, your bad behavior detection, your threat hunting, and they're all valid points. On the other side, limit what people can do, limit the controls of applications, limit what applications can run, and then what, what they can do once they're running. Limit yeah. access to storage devices. So if you have a file share, use a policy, say only QuickBooks needs to access a share, only Veeam or only Acronis Backup needs to access my backup drives. The more policies you put in place, the less likely an attack is going to be successful or even be able to launch if you can, if you can whitelist every, only whitelist the good. And so if you, if you compare us to other zero trust solutions, and I, I use the word zero trust, I mean true solutions, not somebody that's, that's taken it into their marketing uh, banner and say, oh, we're zero trust because we don't trust viruses. That's not zero trust. <laughs> uh, yeah. that, that's, it's valid, but it, it's virus detection and it's important, but it's still not zero trust. Um, but if you, if you say, where we compete to our competitors in the enterprise space, because that's really the choice. Do you want to go off with an enterprise product uh, or do you want to use ThreatLocker? Do you want to use something like Bit9 where you have application whitelisting and you deny all? The difference is the number of people you're going to need to deploy it. If you take a traditional application whitelisting, a traditional zero trust solution. Uh, so first of all, if you take and you want to deploy it, you have to catalog those 60,000 files on your machines. You have to figure out what apps they belong to. You have to create policies for them. And if you're the Department of Defense and you have 100,000 computers that look exactly the same, that's fine. But if you're an MSP that has 1,500 computers across 100 different businesses that are all running different apps, that job alone is going to take you months, if not years, and huge amounts of manpower. Um, then you have to deal with, so with ThreatLocker, we do all that for you. You push out our agent and it just gives you a list of applications we found. It creates the policies for you. And then you say, okay, ThreatLocker's found a hundred apps in this client. I don't want Dropbox. I don't want TeamViewer. I don't, why is SolarWinds still running when I use ConnectWise or why is ConnectWise still running when I use SolarWinds? Let's sure. deny the things we don't want and then we'll lock it down so nothing new can come in. So that's the first thing. We are multi-tenant. We're the only zero trust application whitelisting ring fencing solution that is multi-tenant. Uh, it allows you to at a global level. Excellent. Um, the, the other thing is um, 
and this is really, really important. One of the big challenges with zero trust, the big challenges with application whitelisting is what happens. And I want to be really careful about that term so people understand what whitelisting is, because a lot of people use it uh, in antiviruses. You'll see whitelist terms. That's not a whitelist in that we're denying everything and we're only allowing what's on the list. That's a whitelist against the blacklist almost. Uh, where what we're saying is nothing runs. But one of the big challenges with that is what happens when there's an application update? What happens when automate updates or office updates or DNS filter or Google Chrome updates? What's going to happen to that application? It's going to get blocked. Well, with ThreatLocker, we have the concept of pre-built in definitions. All of your MSP tools, the chances of not having it in there is very slim. We're going to have Office over two to 300 apps, I think we've got now that are pre-built definitions. So when there's a Windows update, when Microsoft released 25,000 new unique files next month, which they do nearly every single month, we're going to update those definitions for you. So again, your job as the MSP is push out the agent, let it learn for a week. At the end of the week, lock it down. If somebody wants new software, just permit that software. It takes, it takes 10 seconds. Sure, sure. Okay, that's excellent. Good stuff. Um, another question I had for you is, what is the normal... Um, sophistication level of the MSP that you work with? You work with some MSPs that are just getting into the security space or do you work with very sophisticated MSPs that are very uh, savvy with uh, security? So, uh, and the range is huge. Uh, we have some really small MSPs that, uh, that are very savvy. Uh, we have some really small MSPs who probably shouldn't be in the industry uh, and we have <laughs> and we have some uh, really large MSPs who are extremely savvy and uh, one of the nice things about ThreatLocker is we haven't just delivered you a product and said take it away and work with it we have a full team of what we call cyber heroes behind us uh, we at any point in the day 24 hours a day you can go online and you can get a response from someone and get on a zoom session with someone who when you need help and say how do I deal with this problem? How do I deal with this weird application that keeps changing its DLLs every time it opens? And we are there to help you configure it. And we're very, very responsive. And I think our average time is 48 seconds. Uh, so we have a, a big range of MSPs um, working from all sizes. Uh, typically, most of our MSPs at this point deploy to their entire client base. Sometimes they start by saying, I'm going to take a subsection. But most yeah. of them deploy across the board because they feel you can't offer half security. It's either secure or it's not secure. Right. <laughs> so it, it, most of them are saying, we're going to deploy this across our entire stack. And uh, most of them actually, I've been impressed by the uptake on how, if you'd asked me three years ago, what do I think of MSPs? And I would say that I, I probably wouldn't have said nice things. I would have said that these guys are just <laughs> pen and but I've been really impressed by the MSPs we work with and how, how they actually do care about their clients and they do care about uh, security. And again, my, my opinion coming from an enterprise background has changed. Five years ago, I would have said, you hire internal teams, build your team out. Now yeah. I'm saying, especially if you, unless you're a big, big enterprise that has unlimited budgets, even if you've got internal IT, go out, find a good MSP, not a bad one, a good one who can answer your questions because you, you're going to get a lot from that. You're going to get not only their successes, not only their education, but their failures. That, that every time they fail, they learn from that. Yeah. And in internal IT, quite often, you don't have that advantage of, you, you've either had ransomware or you haven't had ransomware. And in the MSP world, because they have such a diverse range of customers and problems, they've seen it all before. Yeah. 
and they know best how to defend it. So, All right, excellent. Well, I tell you, I, I was excited to talk with you. A couple of our peer group members uh, swear by your technology. Um, they were early adopters and, and working with you, so they've got great things to say about you. So I appreciate, um, appreciate that. And it's uh, it really cool to learn more about what you guys are doing out there. Um, and uh, so I know we've got some you know, upcoming um, events, uh, mastermind events coming up later this year when we can all get back out on the road, right? I know uh, there's also some scheduled webinars, but how can the listeners find out more about ThreatLocker? What do they need to do? So jump onto our website. Um, there's a button on the homepage. You can watch a pre-recorded demo or you can schedule a demo. Uh, if you schedule a demo uh, right now, we're giving away these free Cyber Hero t-shirts. Nice soft ones because we've got boxes of them that we're going very, to be giving away at events. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. I see them. So. Yeah. So, so, so jump onto the site. I think uh, I thought it was that. So, and uh, schedule a demo or watch the pre-recorded demo and just come in and uh, then schedule a call for a follow-up trial. And it really is, it's about a 45 minute demo. I promise you it's worth your time. You're really gonna see a different way of dealing with security and a better way uh, to actually start protecting your clients. Um, we've seen with Zoom this week, we saw how Zoom can become a huge problem. And yes, Zoom have done, a, I say a great job at patching it. it would have been nice that they didn't have to, but they've they fixed it now. The bottom right. line was Zoom's fixed, but there's still lots of ways you can transmit data. There's more people working from home. There's no perimeter anymore. So securing those endpoints, securing those servers that they're connecting to is more important now than ever. Uh, so um, you jump on, do a web demo. It, it really will be worth an hour of your time. Yeah. Yep. I couldn't agree with you more, Danny. Very impressed with you and your organization. I've, I've uh, worked with several of your team members and they're all uh, top notch. Uh, so uh, just wanted to say thank you. And for the listeners, if you're looking at getting into security, we're doing something different. I highly recommend check out the Threat Locker tool. Uh, it's one of the best out there and they're very unique. So fits nicely in your security stack. So, all right, Danny, any closing comments? Anything else you want to share with the listeners today? No, I just, everyone try and stay safe out there, both from malware and real viruses as it happens today. Uh, we can't stop Corona, unfortunately. Uh, but if you uh, try and stay safe and, um, you know, Try and keep your clients secure in this tough time. Yep. Well said. Well said. Okay. All right, Danny, thank you very much. We'll catch up with you soon. Take care now. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.